ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal fans of all ages, welcome to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. I'm Chris Grace. I'll be your host, joined every week by current Wesleyan Athletic Director and former head football coach, Mike Whalen. Each week, Coach and I will interview some of your favorite former Cardinals and find out exactly what they've been up to. Without further ado, it's time to check in with the coach, Mike Whalen. Coach, it's great to be back with you again as we uh, embark on yet another fantastic journey through the world of Wesleyan University and Wesleyan University Athletics. And boy, you know, if, if our first couple of guests weren't good enough, we're coming strong once again. We have another great representative from ESPN as we welcome an NFL reporter to the table today. We are so lucky. Coming up, we're going to be spending some time with Kimberly Martin and Personally, I'm really looking forward to this interview, Coach. No, Kimberly is uh, really special. She uh, she and I connected when I first got back to Wesleyan, and uh, I think she was one of the you know the first first uh, alums that reached out to me uh, after we won that uh, elusive uh, little three championship in 2013 when she was uh, with Newsday and covering the Jets. And uh, uh, I know Bob Chapetta in our equipment rooms is uh, speaks so highly of her, and uh, really can't wait to uh, spend some time with her today. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to discuss the man, the myth, the legend that is Bob because, uh, you know, he's a big part of everything Wesleyan does here. He's really about as, uh, as consistent of a figure as you'll see around these parts, Coach. I think besides you, I see Bob just about as much as anyone else roaming the fields and the halls here in the Freeman Center. And, and you see him, of course, at all the sporting events, really just a great fixture here at Wesleyan. Coach, before we get too far, this has been such a – really whirlwind experience for me personally. I know you've enjoyed it as well, but, but before we forget, we want to have some interaction with the people who are listening to these podcasts. So at this time, I'm going to bring in our producer, Mike O'Brien, who's going to let everybody know how they can connect with us for future episodes of Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score. Yeah, Chris. So the best way that fans can reach us would be emailing our athletics at wesleyan.edu email address. Uh, they could also reach us on social media, too, and the best social media platforms would be Twitter and Instagram, and those are both at Wes underscore athletics. You heard it there first. If you want to connect with me on my own personal Twitter, as long as it's friendly, you can at ChrisGrace82. If it's going to be mean, well, I guess you're still free to tweet. I won't judge you. But let's try to be nice because it's already tough enough being a Jets fan. If, if you have some ideas about future shows or future guests you'd like to see, reach out to us, let us know. We'd love to hear your feedback. So uh, once again, you know, Coach just said that. I'll echo those sentiments. You know, we, we want to know what you like, what you don't like. Obviously, we've had some great guests. Let us know some guests that you want to see in the future, um, some people that we haven't caught up with yet that hopefully we'll, we'll get to catch up with moving forward. And uh, we, we really, most importantly, hope you're enjoying what we're trying to do here. But without further ado, Coach, it's time to check in with our guest. She is, well, she's a Wesleyan graduate, and she is currently an NFL reporter and writer for ESPN. She graduated from Wesleyan in 2003. We got to spend some time with her earlier today. Here's our interview with Kimberly Martin. Today, we continue our hot streak of amazing former Wesleyan students as we welcome in yet another great personality from the mothership. That's right, ESPN NFL reporter and Wesleyan graduate, class of 2003, Kimberly Martin, 
So nice to spend some time with us. Kimberly, it's great to have you with us. First things first, we always ask, please tell us how you ended up at Wesleyan and kind of try to sum up your own personal experience in Middletown as a Cardinal. I toured for two weeks. I toured campuses all along the eastern coast, uh, UNC, UPenn, Bates, Middlebury, all of them. Wesleyan was the last stop. It was a Friday. I visited. The birds were singing. People were jumping around Foss Hill. At least that's how I like to remember it. And I just said, I need to come here. I have no idea why, but something is calling me to this campus. And it's it's been remarkable. Um, I got my grad degree from Syracuse, but when I explain to people my journey, I say Syracuse may have helped me from a journalism standpoint, but Wesleyan, that's that's who I am. Like who I am is rooted in who I became at West, and just just to the friendships that I still have from campus, um, amazing. I was a psych and AFAM major, so I definitely did not see myself going into journalism when I was on campus. Um, I was going to be a relationship counselor, actually. Um, so to be at ESPN and to be, you know, covering sports in the NFL, it's wild. But really, who I am in that psych degree, I use that every day in my job, talking to athletes and coaches. So I owe a lot to Wesleyan. Can we, uh, Bob, Bob Chapetta. Oh, my buddy! Obviously, Bob is a, is, a, is, a, is a fixture here at Wesleyan. Been here 35 years. I'm going to tell you, point blank, you are one of his favorite of all time. <laughs> he speaks so highly of you working in the equipment room. Tell us about that experience a little bit and working with Bob. Oh, my gosh. Um, I actually don't think I could have survived Wesleyan without Bob. I mean, I folded and washed many a volleyball uniform. Hung up many a football jersey on campus. Um, yeah, Bob just was a lifeline for me, just being on campus and and needing work study. And I remember I was working at Sci-Li, and uh, he was like, no, come work with me in the athletic department. Come on. And really, I like to say to this day that I was the best towel distribution monitor that the Wesleyan campus had ever seen. And anybody who followed in my footsteps, still can't hold a torch to me but Bob really I mean we still keep in touch I still send him articles or, or video hits of mine that I do um Bob is just great and being able as somebody who wasn't an athlete on campus um it was really great the friendships that I made and Bob again another person that I really hold dear to my heart so Kimberly obviously uh Bob is a really big deal so Compared to working Thank for you. compared to working for Bob, I'm sure working at ESPN is really you know no no big thing. But no, listen, Bob had much higher standards than than this whole Wesleyan <laughs> this whole ESPN situation. At Wesleyan, his standards were top notch. So I feel like I can let my shoulders down working at ESPN. Actually, well, <laughs> right. Any, anyone who's been around Bob knows he runs a very tight ship, and there, there's no playing around. But uh, to the people who don't know. Um, explain, you said you weren't an, you weren't, uh, an athlete at Wesleyan and a lot mm -hmm. of people who go into sports reporting are former athletes. So how exactly did you shift from journalism towards the field of sports and into your, your current field that you're in right now? Well, it's funny because getting back to Bob, one of the things that he jokes with me now about is that if anybody on campus had said, 
Kimberly, you would be a sports writer who covers the NFL in particular, like we would have left because there's, that, that was not at all what I thought my trajectory would have been. But I believe it or not, it doesn't look it now, but Kimberly in high school and college definitely was a tomboy. Um, definitely loved sports. Like the 90s Knicks. I mean, I'm still to this day, John Starks was still my first husband. So um, sports was always huge for me um, growing up. And even though I didn't play, I mean, I played in high school, but I went to private school. So it was pretty much, if you wanted to play, here's a jersey. Um, but sports was always there. Um, and it's funny, covering sports, covering the Yankees, or covering the Mets, or Jets, Giants, whatever it is, that fandom actually dies a little. At least for me, it did. Only because it became the job. It became work. Um, so I was a rabid sports fan um, who would watch SportsCenter. I remember being... Um, in the campus center, the old campus center, like watching Sports Center on loop. Like I w- had a free period and I would just sit and watch the highlights over and over again. So I just always knew I liked to write. And because sports was always a thing I was passionate about, even though I didn't play, that was sort of the thing that I wanted to pursue the writing and being able to tell athletes stories that maybe people might not even know existed. You, you mentioned there, Kimberly, um, that that currently you're you're covering the NFL, um, but you've covered all sorts of teams and and all sorts of places. Um, tell our our listeners who might not know your entire story <laughs> some of your favorite stops along the way and some of your favorite experiences that have led you to where you are right now. I laugh only because I've had a lot of jobs in a short period of time, but I'm very I'm very blessed. Um, I actually. You know, I worked my way up covering high school sports in the Jersey and Long Island area, but I covered the Jets. That was the first full-time beat ever uh, for anything. Um, Kind of skipped over covering a college beat, but um, covered the NFL, covered the Jets for Newsday in New York. Um, And I think I may have left August 11th, 2017 was my last day on the Jets beat. And why that's significant is because since then, I spent 10 years at Newsday, and since then, I was a columnist in Buffalo for the Buffalo News. I was the Washington football team reporter for the Washington Post. I was a columnist and senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, and now I'm an NFL writer, reporter, on-air person for ESPN. So... In three years, I've done and moved around a lot from Buffalo to Virginia, back to Jersey. Uh, so it's been quite a ride. Wow, that's great. That's great. So <laughs> what do you, Kimberly, what do you think, you know, you touched upon it a little bit at the beginning, but like what, what do you think um, you know, uh, of, of the things that you learned while at Wesleyan that have, that have kind of, you know, when, when we talk to athletes, you know, they always kind of say, you know, so many of the things that I learned from 4.30 mm-hmm. to 6.30 on the field translated into who I am mm-hmm. today. But for, from a broader sense, from an educational standpoint, what are the tools that you acquired at Wesleyan that you think, you know, have, have impacted you professionally today? Honestly, I think being a psych major. Because when I say I use that every day, like, I'm not kidding. I think a lot of sports writers um, dream about being a sports writer when they're younger. So, like, when they get, like, that's the only thing. They love the game. They care about what happens between the white lines. And Sunday game day is the biggest thing. All of those things are important for me. But I like thinking about the athlete 
that are under the helmet, the coaches, like those stories are what honestly drives me. Um, I think that's what sort of makes me different, the way I approach stories, the stories that even resonate with me. Um, I think with football players, people tend to, especially NFL players, they tend to minimize their intelligence. Um, just they sort of strip them down to like, you know, one dimensional like creatures almost that are there for our entertainment solely. And so what I try to do is show their intelligence, show their sensitivity, show the emotions that they're feeling. Um, and that's all social psych. That's all like, I remember being in those classrooms, like, and I remember, you know, studying human behavior and how we interact with each other and what drives us. And that's what interests me. So that when I was covering the jets or when I was a columnist in Buffalo, or I was covering the team in Washington, the stories that you write, I would hope that the subject matter, how I write them, it, you would still click on the story, even if you hated the Jets, even if you did not care about Washington, even if you didn't care about Buffalo. Like, it's this, you can write about the game. Of course, that's what we get paid to do. But to not pay attention to the stories behind the guys who are playing it and the coaches, I think does a disservice to the game and also journalism itself. There's so many stories that are there that fertile ground for reporting and writing. So that's where I like to focus my energy. So Kimberly, uh, obviously this is a very unique year for everybody, but for anyone who covers sports, it's as unique of a year as there's ever been, not just with the COVID stuff, but obviously our country's dealing with all sorts of craziness. Um, it's an election year. There's, um, obviously the black lives matter movement has been a big issue, um, and a big talking point for so many different athletes. What's it been like for you in your first full year at ESPN to kind of come in, in such a turbulent, uh, and, and, and unique year as this has been in 2020. Well, it's interesting because my, my start date at ESPN was technically March 9th, but I didn't get to campus for rookie orientation until 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. So, like, I left campus probably about the 11th or 12th, and I remember driving home, and, like, either that night or the next day, the NBA announced that it was shutting down. So I left Bristol. I met some of my bosses, met some people that I work with, but the idea was, okay, you're going to come back onto campus next month. We'll, you know, we'll get you more acclimated, try to have you in studio. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then everything shut down, and I literally was like, I have a contract, but do I have a job? <laughs> like because, because all of a sudden, your thoughts are not on work necessarily, but uh, safety. How am I going to order groceries? Like I remember, you know, I'm in the New Jersey area, and New York and New Jersey hit really hard um, from the onset. So the thoughts were about how do we keep safe? How do I order masks and gloves and all these things on the internet? Um, so that's where, you know, that there was a month or two where my bosses were, everybody was trying to put on a, like ESPN was trying to do a virtual draft. Like everybody was inundated and under siege with how do we even run a network and programming when we can't even get people in studio. So for me being new, <laughs> I laugh now, but they were really tense months where I was like, I have no idea what life at ESPN was like outside of a pandemic. 
So now that the pandemic's here, I don't even, I didn't, there are lots of people I didn't even know. I didn't meet. Um, so I was hired to be an on-air talent, I guess. Um, but I started writing columns because I was just like, okay, I want to do something. I can't get on TV um, right now. So let me just write. And so it was, it was really crazy, the the beginning of my ESPN tenure. I think it's been six months technically, but it really feels like the last three months of me being on shows like Get Up or, or being on NFL Live or, you know, doing sports center hits. Um, you know, it feels like I'm finally getting my feet under me. And now that the season has started, being at games, you know, covering week one in Baltimore, doing last week's Thursday night game between the Browns and the Bengals. And this week I'm going to Buffalo uh, for Rams Bill. So it, it finally feels like, all right, this now I'm doing the job. The game day coverage, that's what I was hired for. And you know, still new, but I think ESPN's a great place as far as being able to write and produce features, written features, video features. Um, so it's been it's been pretty cool so far. Well, Kimberly, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little inside baseball here. So, uh oh, not sure if you know this or not, but uh, Hit me. so Greeny, ah, Greeny is married to an identical twin, and the oh, other. And the other twin is married to my roommate from Wesleyan. No way. Are you serious? Yes. 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 Lewis Engel, class of 83, is married to uh, to Sean and Stacy. They're twins. That so so Greeny and Lewis are obviously very close as, as brother-in-laws. Uh, but I've been fortunate enough that I've had uh, – a lot of golfing trips with Greeny, so oh, nice. I can nice. I can give you some I can give you some Greeny stories that you can, you can, just, <laughs> you can, just, you can just dribble the content out to him and and uh, nice. he's gonna give you a look like how'd you know that how'd you know that oh that's awesome that's awesome. see seven degrees of separation like yeah. that's great love yeah. it yeah love it in in case you don't know you're listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score Coach and Athletic Director Mike Whalen along with. Our special guest for today, Kimberly Martin, class of 2003. I'm Chris Grace, hosting as always. We're so glad to have Kimberly with us, continuing this amazing streak of fantastic guests. You just heard the man who is connected is the godfather himself, Mike Whalen. He knows just about everyone. But, Mike, don't give her too much dirt on Greeny because he, like myself, has to deal with the team in green on Sundays, and it's it's just not a great time to be, <laughs> to trust me. And It's never a great time. It's really not a great time right now to support our J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Kimberly, quick <laughs> quick, quick question for you. I'm just curious. Having covered the Jets and the Bills um, and the, the Washington football team, what is kind of your favorite moment that you've experienced? Either, it's a, I know it's a broad question, but either at a game itself or even in a practice or training camp setting where you saw something that you weren't expecting to see or maybe just a touching moment that you saw with a fan or just something, uh, your choice, whatever you want. Just give me your favorite thing that's happened that you've experienced covering the National Football League. Okay, I'm not going to give you the most touching moment or the greatest moment or the best moment. What I remember is I was live for the butt fumble. I was in the press box for that, and I love Mark Sanchez um, to this day. But seeing that live, living through that, living through Tebow mania, um, I was there at practice when there were planes flying overhead saying that Idzik, the GM, should be fired. 
um, the billboards. Like, I, like when I think of, it's hard to think of like best moments when it comes to the Jets. Yeah. Um, I think about it's like it's like those moments. It's like uh, another example: Gino getting punched in the face. Yeah. Gino Smith getting punched in the face. I was there. It was a Tuesday, August eleventh. I remember Todd Bowles walking out into our press room and was like, hey, guys, I'm about to go to practice, but you need to hear this. And he brings us all into the into the press conference room. And he even told a reporter, like, you're going to want to grab your recorder for this. So, like, those are the moments. So, as Jets fans, I'm sorry. Those are not, like, um, feel good, like, that warms my heart moments. As a beat writer, that's what is, is emblazoned in my mind. Like, those are you kidding me? Did that just happen moment? So I'm sorry, but those are the ones that actually stick out. <laughs> it's all right. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a Jets thing with, with, without any of those moments. And uh, only, <laughs> only a butt fumble can ruin Thanksgiving. So Mark Sanchez had that going for him, which was nice, but uh, yeah. It's, we it's, love it's, Mark. Mark is a great guy. I hate that it happened to him, but that's one of those moments that I'll tell my grandkids about. The only way to go is up from here as a Jets fan. <laughs> right? So can't possibly so, go any lower. So, Kimberly, um, you know, going from the beat writer to then the on-air talent, like what, what's the big, what, what, what would you say in your mind has been the biggest challenge for you in terms of doing that? I think it's, it's understanding how to deliver a story in different mediums. You know, being a beat writer is a different journalistic skill than being a columnist. Uh, being a columnist that uses different muscles than being, um, you know, writing an analytical piece. Um, the on-air part of it—that—that's the that I felt like that was the hole in my game because I, as a as a newspaper person, digital writer, um, that's one of the reasons I actually went to Yahoo Sports because you know I left the Washington Post because at Yahoo I'd be able to do on-camera sit-downs. I would be able to sort of expand the portfolio a little bit as far as having sit-downs with NFL GMs or players, um, Super Bowl week, getting to talk to guys. And it's, it's how do you, in TV, it's, it's all about, it's about shorter sound bites. It's, you may interview, I remember sitting down with Rams GM Les Snead last year. It was like four days before the Jalen Ramsey trade. Um, and I was working at Yahoo and I remember sitting down with him for 45 minutes and then the editors had, like our producers had to, you know, cut, edit the clip to, you know, like five and a half and that was considered long. So imagine, you know, the conversations that you would organically have as a reporter, you want to, you know, you got to develop that trust in a conversation, make people feel at ease. You know, sometimes you're going to ask them like, you know, Hey, Les, um, You've been real aggressive with the, you know, with these draft trades or, or you know, in-season trades. So you don't have, you haven't had first-round picks in a long time. Like you've got to ask questions that maybe, um, you know, people. I don't want to say take offense to, but that are pointed sometimes. Sometimes they're sensitive. And when you're on TV, you know, you have to deliver the same information or extract the same information in a condensed amount of time. So I think. Um, Sometimes I still think of myself as a writer. You know, I think I'll always, that's who I am. But now when I have to do game coverage, like on Sunday when I have to go to Buffalo and cover Rams-Bills, 
I'm going to be doing pregame, live pregame hits, and I have to be able to tell you in 30 or 45 seconds, you know, why this game is important to Josh Allen, why the Bills being 2-0, and you know, why that's a big deal, why this team feels like, it, you know, the division doesn't run through the Patriots anymore, you know, if, they, if that is how I'll see this week when I talk to them, if that's how they feel, but... You know, it's just a different skill set, and I think at the end of the day, you're, it's about storytelling. So um, how do you use those different muscles for different mediums is, is the goal. You, you heard it first here, Coach. Hot take. Kimberly Martin says the AFC East <laughs> does not run through New England. You heard it see, first. Get see, those sound bites ready, have, people. We are blowing up the internet. We are blowing it up. Kimberly, I kid, I kid. But – but in all seriousness, um, if, if you could talk to today's Wesleyan students, and obviously we're hoping that a lot of the Wesleyan students will, will tune in and will hear this, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to the current group of Wesleyan students if they wanted to go into your field or really into any field? I think um, the biggest advice is understanding that you have to grind. You have to grind. No one owes you a job. Nobody owes you an opportunity. And I think it's it's the students that have that mentality, um, that, that refuse to give up. I think those are the ones that are the most successful. Um, being very, you have to be very self-critical and objective. Like, I remember, you know, everybody wants to be at ESPN. Everybody wants to be at MLB Network. Or everybody wants to you know, when ESPN the magazine existed or Sports Illustrated, everybody wanted to be, we all had lofty goals. Like we all wanted to cover the Yankees um, as beat writers, but only some of us get to do that. And um, thinking right as you come out of college that you'll be able to do that, that's probably not the right, <laughs> the right way to go about it. For somebody, it might happen like that, but for most of us, it doesn't. You have to be okay doing the grunt work you have to be okay um making yourself available to do a ton of different things and um being okay with not getting recognition early but putting your head down and saying like I know I'm good I just need to fine-tune this or I'm really bad at that like I need to get better at my stand-ups or I need to be better at writing so I'm gonna read more and see what writers I like are out there um so yeah, I think just being self-critical and being objective about what your goals are and how you're going to work to to get that, and understand that um, sometimes we get really lucky, but most of the time it's through hard, really hard work when nobody is looking. Um, that that's what sets you up for the success. That's that's great. You you actually kind of answered my next question, but I'll throw it out there anyway, only because. Um, President Roth likes me to do this. So, but no, seriously, um, uh, you know, you, you, you know that, that the, the whole liberal arts education is kind of under attack. You know, mm-hmm. people are questioning, is it, you know, the value of it? What can a liberal arts degree do for you? Is it worth 70K a year? You know, all those kinds of, you know, questions, concerns that people have. If you were going to advocate for the values of a liberal arts education, what would you say? I would say I'm living proof of it. I would just point to me um, because, you know, I can't tell, tell people 
yes, you definitely need to go to liberal arts school. I can only say that for me, I had the choice and I just knew. Like, to me, it was about um, thinking differently, like seeing the world differently, Um, not thinking about the career necessarily, but getting being in classes where you're engaged and teachers challenge you to see different perspectives or you feel like the relationship with your professors, like you just, you feel like not just mentors, not just, um, you know, friends, but like that you respect, like you could talk to after hours and say, you know, that was a really great discussion or I didn't understand, um, you know, I had this discussion with my parents, you know, I'm, I'm the daughter of immigrant. Like they came to this country, wanted me in academic programs, wanted me to study government or study or do something with computers or finance or something that, um, would provide me a better life than they had. Um, and when I said, you know, I want to study psych, but I don't know what I want to do. I like to write, you know, to them, I seemed like I didn't know, I seem directionless, but I think the point for students now is that don't think about the end journey. Like don't think about the end destination, I should say. Think about what you're gonna do and see and who you're gonna meet along the journey. And so when I say Wesleyan and that psych degree helps me in so many ways in my current profession that's providing a roof over my head, um, that's important. So I hope I hope students or parents, um, you know, that question the liberal arts education. I hope they just understand that that sometimes it's important for kids to figure out what they want to do to try different things because that's why we're here for the different experiences, and that I think is what that education provides a chance to to do a lot of different things. Right, that's great. So, uh, Chris, we are going to move to our newest yep. newest part of the Chris and Coach uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, we, we call it our 60-second gauntlet. Okay, we're going to ask you 10 questions, Kimberly, and it's uh, rapid fire. So first thing that comes to first your thing. mind, first thing that comes to your mind, and, and, and we'll start easy. We'll start easy, and they'll get a little more difficult as we go. And I'll ask you one, Chris will ask you the next one, and we'll go right mm-hmm. through the 10 questions. You ready? Okay. All right. Okay, start the clock right now. Favorite professor at Wesleyan? Oh, gosh. Professor Hade. Professor Haydu. I'm blanking on his first name. Oh, no, wait. Oh, no. Professor Haydu. Oh, no. Yeah. Professor Haydu. All right. Professor Haydu. Okay. We're running with it. That's an answer. Who was the most influential person in your life? Honestly, my aunt Ingrid, who lives not far from Wesleyan's campus, she lives in Windsor, Connecticut. Beautiful. Um, That's great. Yeah. That's great. What was your first job after graduating from West? Oh, that's a great question. Um, finance. I worked at U.S. Trust Company <laughs> on 47th and 7th in Manhattan. If you were forced to cheer for one, would it be Amherst or Williams? Oh God. I- I would just go to bed. Um, I guess Amherst. <laughs> I guess Amherst. Jeez. Okay. Okay. When you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
Oh, easy. Pizza girl at Sabaros. Nice. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've received in your life? Enjoy the ride. In three words, describe your West experience. Memorable, fun, exhausting. <laughs> what do you miss most about Wesleyan? Honestly, living in La Casa, sophomore year, just all of us in a house together, not realizing what we were doing. Nice. What's What's the best Wesleyan highlight from the last 20 years? Oh, that's an easy one. I think a certain somebody ending the Little Tree drought not so recently ago. I think that's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Who is the West alum, <laughs> other than Coach Whalen, that you would most like to have dinner with? Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's two, who's two years ahead of me at West. Okay. All right. You, you survived. You survived, Kimberly. Yes. Well done. Well done. Uh, this has been awesome. This has been awesome. We thank we so much thank you for your time. I mean, this is so great. And uh, I know uh, Coach DeCenzo, you know, speaks very highly of you. You've come back and you've done mentoring at our football bank prior to our football banquet. Our, you know, uh, you know, it's just it's just great to have you out there just representing Wesleyan in such an incredible way. And uh, you're the best. Thank you. I owe it all to Bob Chapetta. I would not be here without him. So oh, make sure that. he knows that. <laughs> we'll definitely love Are you He's going to have this on a headset and play it on, on repeat. Unbelievable. Uh, well, we, one, right. Once again, uh, Kimberly, we want to thank you so much for spending some time with us. That's Kimberly Martin. She works at ESPN. You can see her on Sunday mornings as she previews football games. She'll be in Buffalo this week. When the actually, you know, when this airs, it'll probably have happened last week, so we'll know a whole lot more about the Bills at that point. But I'd like to thank Kimberly once again for producer Mike O'Brien, for the coach Mike Whalen. I'm Chris Grace. You've been listening to Chris and Coach Beyond the Box Score, your official Wesleyan Athletics podcast. Until next time.